Welcome to Church on the Edge, a podcast designed to challenge you and help you rethink what church is and what church should be. This is your host, Dan Armistead. You can learn more about me on my website, danarmistead.com, and follow me through my regular post under the heading of Church on the Edge on both medium.com and substack.com, where I invite and challenge you to live life on the edge like Jesus. Welcome to season four of Church on the Edge in our study of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Confronting cultural Christianity, that's what Galatians is all about. And we're going to be talking about the importance of this letter for not only Paul's day, but for you and me in the church today. Now, I've entitled today's episode, A Place at the Table. And in this episode, what I want to do is I want to give you some background and and set the tone for our study of this incredibly relevant letter for the church today. And what I'm going to be doing each week is simply sharing a passage with you along with a key verse from that passage that opens up some insight into what Paul is saying to the churches in Galatia. And again, I might add what he's saying to us through the Holy Spirit. And today's passage comes from the heart of the letter, almost the exact middle of the letter, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. And here's what it says. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise of God. Now, with those words in mind, I want us to talk today about this great truth that God, through his son Jesus Christ, has set a place at the table for all of us. And I want to begin by giving you a little background about this letter to the Galatians. You know, the great reformer Martin Luther called Galatians my Catherine. Now, I'm not exactly sure how Luther's wife, Catherine von Bora, felt about that. But since Martin had helped her escape from a nunnery in an empty fish barrel, I feel like she was probably okay with it. Now, Galatians is what I like to refer to as a Reformation book. Together with the New Testament book of Romans, the 16th century reformers set forth and and gave us the Protestant teaching of sola fide. That's the Latin phrase meaning by faith alone. It's not by our works or good deeds that we're saved, no. It's simply by trusting what Jesus did for us through his death and resurrection That's how we become God's children. And a whole lot of the teaching on Galatians emphasizes this important, I would say, crucial Christian doctrine. The old hymn really says it all. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. 
But the fact is there is a whole lot more to Galatians than just the teaching that we are saved by faith and not by works or good deeds. And I'm going to be honest with you. It took me years, decades in fact, to understand what Galatians is ultimately all about. I tell you, I've studied this letter since seminary. Dr. J.W. McGorman taught us directly from the Greek text, and, and I have taught this book since then from chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to the end of chapter 6. I've done it in churches that I've pastored. I've taught in conferences both in Asia and the United States, completely taught this book multiple times. But I want to be honest with you about something. As important as I knew Galatians was, I always had this nagging feeling that I I was missing something. There was something in there that I I wasn't getting, and, and it wasn't until I served an international church in Seoul, Korea for almost 12 years that the Spirit of God unlocked for what was me the mystery of Galatians. Now, here's where maybe a little background will help. Seoul International Baptist Church, which is now called Freedom Village Church, and that's a wonderful story in itself, but Seoul International Baptist Church averaged at any one time about 20 to 25 different nationalities among our congregation. Not only that, but our church was filled with people from a wide diversity of Christian traditions and denominations. Now, officially, we were Baptist. But I used to joke with our people that Baptists were probably the minority in our fellowship. I mean, we had Anglicans in attendance and Pentecostals, Charismatics, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Methodists, Episcopalians, and a whole host of Christian traditions. And I'll be the first to tell you that that's not exactly normal. And in fact, if it hadn't been for the fact that that we weren't exactly in a, in a city with a lot of English-speaking churches to choose from, we probably would have never had that kind of variety, that kind of diversity in the congregation of our church. And by the way, that played a large role in keeping my ego in check because people came to our church simply because we were about the only church they could come to. <laughs> But God did something special in our fellowship, and the fact is that that special work of God was there when I arrived as pastor, and it's still there now that I'm gone. And I'm telling you right now, there was a unity like I have never experienced in any other church I've served as pastor or attended as a church member. And it wasn't a unity based on doctrine or tradition or race or politics or nationality or so many of the things we use to divide ourselves. No, it was a unity based on and brought about by the Spirit of Christ. And and I'm here to tell you today, that's the way it should be. Imagine this, two ushers, one a paratrooper in the United States Army, the other retired paratrooper from the Army of Russia, Best of friends, brothers in Christ. (laughs) Or how about this? A precious young Chinese adult who became my wife and I's spiritual daughter, actually living for us, with us for a time. And her father, 
who served as an official in the Communist Party, journeys to Seoul with his wife to ask me personally what I thought of his daughter's Korean fiancé. Did I approve of the marriage or did I recommend this guy or not? (laughs) Those are the kind of experiences I had in Seoul, and that was the kind of diversity we enjoyed in our church, the kind of people it attended, and the kind of outreach and witness that we had. Now, I want to read for you again one verse from that passage I read earlier. This is Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those inspired words of sacred scripture, I want to tell you, they say it all. Our unity and our status as God's people is found in Christ and in Christ alone. In the letter to the Colossians, chapter 3 of that letter, verse 11, Paul makes it even more clear. He says, listen, he says, here, that is in the church of God, in the kingdom of God, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. You as followers of Jesus, as Christians or little Christ, that's what the word Christian means, as Christians, you and I, we're diverse. We come from many different cultures. We come from different racial and social classes, at least from a worldly perspective. But yet through God's Messiah, the anointed one, the king, the son of the living God, through Jesus, the playing field has been leveled. And the prejudices, the separation and division, the animosity and hatred of this present evil age. That's what Paul calls this broken world in which we live in the opening verses of this letter. We'll get to those later. But those prejudices, that separation, that division, that animosity, that hatred that exists in this present evil age, through Jesus Christ, all that's been done away with if we're in Christ. Because you see, because of Jesus, we're no longer like that. We don't live like that. We no longer see our lives and our world and others through the differences. To put it another way, through Jesus, everyone, and I mean everyone, has a place at the table. And it is that unity and diversity that demonstrates the awesome power of the gospel of God's kingdom in Christ. Here's what I want you to see, and here's the real issue in the book of Galatians. It's one I missed again for decades. The real issue in Paul's letter to the Galatians is the attempt by certain Christians to abolish that unity and diversity that that God accomplished through Jesus and demanding cultural conformity. That's the real issue in this book. And in demanding that conformity, they were destroying the witness and the power of the gospel of God's kingdom. You see, the problem in the churches at Galatia was that a a group of Jewish Christians were insisting that the Gentile converts become like Jews. Now, let me, let me digress here for just a moment, okay? Because this is important. In this letter, Paul calls these Jewish Christians false brothers. 
And many have interpreted that to mean they're not Christians at all. Well, I don't believe that. I disagree with that. I think when Paul calls them false brothers, what he's saying is that their message, their perspective on what it means to be in the family, to be a follower of Jesus, is out of line with the diversity that God intends to exist side by side in his family found in Christ. Join our cultural family, be like us. Join the Jewish family and you can be like us because we're most like God and God wants people to be just like us. That was their message. Now, can can you hear the national and racial superiority in that attitude? (laughs) Rid yourself of your Gentile, your non-Jewish customs and ways and perspectives, and you can be a part of our family, and you can have a place with us at God's table. (laughs) And Paul wrote Galatians to confront these culturally blind, culturally bound Jewish Christians. Again, I, I want to say this again because it's important. I don't believe they were false Christians. They were false brothers (laughs) because their idea of God's family was conformity and specifically a conformity where people became like them, walk like us, talk like us, eat like us, be like us. Let me ask you a question. Is there any of that in the church today? I heard a well-known Christian leader, and if I said his name, you'd recognize him. Well-known Christian leader in our day make the statement that anyone who supported the Democratic Party in the United States wasn't a Christian, or at the very least, wasn't a faithful and good Christian. Now, all of us, at least as Americans, tend to feel pretty strongly about our political parties, don't we? But I want you to listen to me when I say that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, Republican nor Democrat. And the moment we start defining our Christianity by our political party and the political party we support, we're making the same mistake as those Paul calls false brothers in this letter to Galatians. We are not the family of the Republican Party. We are not the family of the Democratic Party. We are the family of God. We belong to a kingdom that is not a part of this present evil age that is defined by the color of one's skin or the political preferences one has or anything else. We are one in Christ. And the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians to confront these kinds of things. And he stands. Paul stands a strong, militant confrontational man against this push toward Christian cultural conformity. He is passionate. At times, he's harsh. Consider these words of Paul from Galatians chapter 5, verse 12. 
He's writing about those Jewish Christians that were insisting that the Gentiles, at least the male Gentiles, needed to uh, become circumcised and adopt Jewish culture. Of course, male and female needed to adopt Jewish culture, but the males especially had to be circumcised. And Paul says, you know, if they're so jealous about a bit of skin with a knife, why don't they just go all the way and emasculate themselves? (laughs) Ouch. Here's what I want you to understand. It is the stand that Paul takes against exclusive, enforced cultural conformity among followers of Jesus that makes Galatians so relevant for us today and, in fact, for all time. Because we live in a world that is constantly trying to divide to put people into categories. You belong here, you belong over there. We're of this group, you're of that group. I mean, if you think about it, that's basically the cause of all the wars throughout history. But I want you to listen to me when I say that Jesus did not come to make a world of Christian clones. Faith, which is a major theme of the letter of Galatians, but faith is by its very nature trust in and allegiance to a person, and that person is Jesus who points us and ushers us into the presence of the true and living God. Well, I'm telling you, there is a freedom that Christ brings into the lives of his people, and it is a freedom. Are you listening? It is a freedom that we must stand and at times we must fight for because people are different. There are differences in how we live out our calling and our commitment to Jesus Christ and to his kingdom. And a whole lot of the division and animosity in the church today exists because of those who are making the same mistake that the troublemaker Jewish Christians in Galatia were making. And by the way, that's what Paul calls them, troublemakers. And what I want to do in, in season four of these podcasts with Church on the Edge is I want to help you to see that the diversity and the differences which are ours in Jesus Christ are not something to do away with, no. Instead, there's something to celebrate. Red and yellow, black and white, we are all precious in his sight. And until we acknowledge not just our different colors, but also our different views, our different perspectives that come from our different cultures, until we can do that, we will never experience the answer to Jesus' prayer that he prayed to his Father in John chapter 17, verse 23. And it's with those words of Jesus, those words of sacred scripture, that I close today. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This has been Church on the Edge with Dan Armistead, rethinking what church is and what church should be. If you like this episode, please leave a review at your preferred podcast provider. 
And you can find out more about this podcast as well as my articles, coming books, and more at danarmistead.com. And remember, it's all about Jesus and following Him as His church on the edge.